Five scores! Rick Bod. We've decided to get ourselves back in the game again with our podcast. Rick Bod. Probably the craziest story that you're ever going to hear about hockey. We're going to be coming back to you on a regular basis. You are listening to Squid and the Ultimate Leafs fan. Hello Canada and hockey fans of the United States and Newfoundland. And an extra big hello to Canadian servicemen overseas. Welcome, everyone, to episode 110 of the Squid and Ultimate Leaf Fan Show. I'm Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leaf Fan. Joining me, as always, my winger, Ricky Squid Vibe. Squid, how are we keeping? Good, I hope. Uh, we're doing okay, Mike. We're, uh, you know, we're, hey, 110 shows in, man. That is, that's impressive. Well, it is, you know, for a couple of slugs like us, that's, that's not a bad accomplishment. <laughs> not to suggest at all that our 110th guest today is anything short of being in our top 10 of all-time favorites, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I, I would definitely say that. Well, without further ado, our guest today was born and raised in Czechoslovakia, drafted 25th overall by the Toronto Maple Leafs in 1982. Ironically, two years earlier, he was scheduled to play in the 1980 Olympics, the famous U.S gold medal win, but was considered a flight risk, so was banned from playing. But he would then play eight seasons with the Maple Leafs, and until a kid by the name of Austin Matthews came along, held the Leafs' rookie season point total mark. I'll tell you what, that's not bad for all those years to hold that record. He would finish his career in Europe, and today is a scout for the Washington Capitals enjoying the 2018 Stanley Cup win. Please welcome Peter Inichek. Peter, first off, thanks for joining us. And how are things? Uh, things are the, I'm doing well. Things are the, go, uh, going well. And uh, I'm happy to be here with you guys. And congratulations on so many shows what you have. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's it, been it, a while since you guys have probably spoken. When was the last time you did? I think oh. uh, it was maybe seven years ago. I was... Uh, uh, I last job with Maple Leafs uh, as a scout. And then I I was living in Europe. I returned to Canada and I joined uh, uh, alumni hockey team. And I, I think I was uh, roommate with Rick uh, on uh, one of the road trips. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that very well. <laughs> well so besides uh, scouting, Peter, how are you keeping busy these days? Oh, I, uh, I I have a kind of, uh, I don't know if it's sad news or the bad news for myself. I was uh, diagnosed by uh, uh, with prostate cancer, but it's uh, from beginning. It just, uh, uh, so, and uh, that is was kind of uh, surprising for me, but I'm uh, I'm in good shape. I'm going to uh, do some treatments and uh, radiation and uh, it looks good. And, uh, you know, just uh, I'm scouting uh, for Washington, uh, traveling a lot. I'm responsible for Czech, uh, Slovak Republic, Germany, uh, Switzerland, uh, Russia, uh, not anymore because the war is there. <laughs> we hired, uh, we hired uh, 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 other scout uh, working uh, in Russia for us. Well, I mean, first off, we want to say best of luck moving forward and, you know, knock this thing off, which we know you will, because we know you're somebody who's always looked after himself and kept yourself in good shape. So hopefully that'll come through and you'll fight this off and get back and, uh, you know, get this scare out of the way. Um, how many times a year to get back to Canada or the U.S.? Uh, how many times? Yeah. Uh, normally, normally... 
when we have meetings, uh, scouting meetings, or when it's uh, some event, like the tournament under 18, or there was uh, this uh, August, uh, there was tournament, uh, Ivan Hlink Agretsky Cup in Calgary, then I was there watching and scouting uh, with uh, other uh, uh, colleagues of mine from Washington. And uh, that's about it. Not, not more than, uh, only when there is some hockey event. So you work, uh, you work for a good friend of mine who was my goalie when I coached in the ECHL, Jason Fitzsimmons. Oh, yeah. He's a very nice guy. He's funny, <laughs> fun, fun guy, exciting guy, and he's always fun when he's around. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great person. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, Peter, you were back when Washington won. What was that like for you when the team won and you, the Stanley Cup? You got the hoisted over your head. It was amazing. I mean, uh, I, I wish all uh, Maple Leafs fans uh, that they didn't experience 67 uh, Cup uh, winning party that they should experience experience that in in, in Toronto. It's it's uh, amazing. It's fantastic feeling and it's it's exciting and uh, you not the, the you not only be you should be good but you have to have all the luck uh, to win the cup. It's it's. Uh, it's uh, until you have it to last minute we were in Las Vegas and uh, uh, we were leading and then we were behind and then we scored leading uh, goals and uh, you know when I mean the game was uh, over then until until then you don't believe that you have it because it can change in any second it's just fantastic feeling I was being on the ice and uh, and uh, hoisting the cup is just just special <laughs> Yeah, I never got to do that, unfortunately. <laughs> in, any, in, in any capacity, but you know, but I did touch it at the Hall of Fame, so at least I got to touch it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, even I did that, Squid. Come on. <laughs> but now, Peter, just along those lines, did you have any preconceived ideas of what winning the Stanley Cup would bring with regards to celebrating and the prestige that just follows it? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, you know what I mean? Like we, you work with your colleagues, but when you win the Stanley Cup, like you, your memories are forever, and that that uh, memory of winning cup is put you together, and it's it's uh, all uh, all uh, we are all uh, like we all stick together and we respect each other. And you have to have a good team to win the Stanley Cup. Like Washington Capitals, maybe last uh, 15 years, they were at least uh, 10 years the best team in the league. And, you know, they we had so many bad lucks. You know what I mean? We we won the President Trophy and then we lost in the first round against Pittsburgh. We lost against, against uh, Blue Jackets and we, we lost against other teams. You know what I mean? It was very disappointing, but we always regroup and we, we were always believing and uh, that we go, we, the luck is going to change because we had good team. We just needed that little extra luck. You know what I mean? That everybody safe. Uh, like even even goalie was standing on the uh, on the, on his head. Uh, he made yeah. in Las Vegas uh, one save. He that he was he, he flew across the across the net and with the stick he stopped the puck. If he wouldn't make uh, that save, he would he wouldn't probably not win it. Yeah, I, guess, uh, I, I remember that save. Yeah. yeah. I remember that very well. Now, Peter, when you first came over, well, you and I have something in common. You held the record for the most points as a rookie, as a Maple Leaf. 
for 40, probably 40 years or almost 40 years. And I held the record for 40 years that one guy from Arizona broke both. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were, Derek, you were amazing. You were an amazing shooter. I mean, we all admire you and you, uh, you play on our team and uh, every night uh, you play, you, you step on the ice, the best uh, defensive pair was playing against you and they, they play physical against you. They were abusing you, but they, it's not many times they stop you. You just, and your shot. I was talking to many goalies, you know what I mean about you, and they said, "Listen, when Ricky was going down that right wing, we gave him that uh, left side open because we didn't want that he's going to hit us." You know, but it, it wasn't it wasn't easy to score because I was watching you at the practice, and when you line up the pucks there, then every every shot was maybe uh, how many. Uh, 10 inches or something like a high far post like it was it was amazing and i even i tried to to uh, use your stick sometimes at the practice but it was so heavy and so thick you know what i mean i couldn't even put my hands around that <laughs> well gary lehman said that if he put him up on something he could probably do pull-ups on it and never oh, break yeah. it so it was funny yeah, it was heavy. <laughs> It was fun to watch you, even even when you came to the dressing room before the game, because shooters they always talk to their sticks, and Ricky was always taking care of his sticks. The like he was, you know, taping them, and you know, he just like almost massaging them, and it was just, you know, what I mean. Was, well, you uh, you got to look after your, you got to look after your tools, you know. That's right. <laughs> Now, Peter, what the, the guys you're associated with or speak to, playing in North America isn't as big a mystery as it, today as it was 40 years ago when you came over. And we'll get into that a little deeper as we go along. But having said that, is the desire and drive for young players to make it in the NHL as strong today or stronger? From Czechoslovakia and some of those European countries you covered. It's, it was probably stronger before because it was almost impossible to to get into NHL. We were, we were kind of dreaming about NHL. We were, we were buying some magazines or something like that and watching players. And that was that was my motivation. Every time I saw North American players uh, or team uh, playing, then it gives me energy because they the, the way they play, it was different than the European way. You know, they skated differently. They, they put so much energy and excitement in the game that every time I watch North American team to play, then I right away, it doesn't matter if it was 10, 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock uh, at night, I went out and I was skating and I was shooting and it just gave me, it, it was fun. Well, let's go back to the beginning. You were born in Poprad, Czechoslovakia. I'm sorry if I uh, mispronounced that. Oh, Talk better. about playing youth hockey and growing up. Yeah, it was. I'm uh, first of all. I'm from big family. We were twelve kids. Uh, my mm. my grand uh, grandfather uh, was living in New York. My aunt was living in New York. My other from father's side grandfather was in the U.S. and he came back. And uh, you know, I just it, I'm from uh, mountain region. Like in the winter was like. Uh, everything frozen, minus 15, you know, the rivers frozen, then we went out, the, the roads were frozen, they were on the streets and we play hockey. And But I I was uh, I was probably 13 when I started uh, 
playing hockey for the team. And when I was 15, then uh, that was uh, the age where I had to move to junior uh, junior team. And the coach came to me and said, "Listen, we have no room for you here. You have to, uh, you have to, you, we cannot, we cannot keep you because there is no room." But then he kind of looked at me and he goes, "Here, uh, on top of the window, there is some room. If you want to put your equipment there, and you wait until the rest of the guys." dress up and then you can dress up and you can join us <laughs> then but it, then i got then i got uh i got possessed with that game you know i was working out uh every day almost eight hours i come home from school at 12 or at two o'clock uh, eat something and I, I was at the ring until midnight Jeez. Uh, i went uh, to any any team that went on the ice i went to coach i said coach please can I skate with you? He goes, yeah. They skated with them for an hour. Other team came, said, coach, can I skate with you? Skate with you. Yeah, you can skate. Uh, every day, every day. But, you know, it was, it was just fun. I just, uh, I loved it. I, I was, like I said, I went, I went crazy. And I was working out. I was working out when I then joined the uh, A team. I was working out from uh, morning until evening, like midnight or after practice. I had another practice, another practice. It just, just I love that, uh, you know what I mean. Hard work, co competitiveness, and and I was improving because when I started at 13, I was already playing the, with uh, under 18 the national team. Then I was playing with under 19 European Championship, and uh, it was first uh, championship uh, under 20 in uh, in Slovakia, uh, in Banska Bystrica, and in Zvolen. And I was lucky because. When I got an invitation with the under-18 team to West Germany, uh, I had to go to apply for a visa or for per permit. Uh, and uh, I, I knocked on the door in the office where they issued the permit and the guy, uh, he saw me was your name, Inachak. I said, out. You're not out. You're going nowhere. Because my sister, my, my, my sister left in 67. Then my brother left in uh, 68 mm -hmm. and my other sister left 72. Then uh, plus I had family before, like my, my grandfather and my aunt was living in New York. Then uh, they said out. Then I kind of came very, very sad home. And I said to my father, he said, kid, I cannot do anything. Yeah, but anyway, I didn't uh, like play a game, a junior game in the Slovak uh, league. And I got, uh, I blocked the shot with my ankle broke the ankle I couldn't I couldn't travel anyway then it was good now you two well, missed uh, each Peter, other at the world uh, juniors by oh squid hang on uh you two missed each other by year at the world juniors Peter you were in 77 and squid you in 78 yeah it was yeah. it was for me for me like I said for me like Canadian guys uh, compared to Europeans I we would say at least two years they're ahead of development like I think Billy Huber was there, uh, Dale McCord was there, my bossy was there. Like we were just kids. Those guys were unbelievable. They were mad. They were strong. They skated like like a wind. It was just different team, you know. Then we finished. They they play Canada one. Uh, they play final against Russia, and we we finished third. It's great. Yeah. The uh, so going back to when you came over and. We talked about this uh, last evening, Mike and I, about the league and, you know, people talking about, 
you know, teams play down to their competition and that sort of thing. I said, no, I think the problem is, is that everybody in the NHL are NHL players. They're all good. And the world has opened up. So we get a lot more European players coming over with, with a ton of talent and fitting right into the NHL right away. And so, I mean, on any given night, because the league is so strong, because of everybody coming from all over the world now, you know, anybody can beat anybody on any given night. Yeah, it's true. But, uh, but uh, you know, when I was growing up, uh, then in Europe, uh, Russian team, Russians, they practice the hardest than we. But when I came to Canada, like, it was like when I'm talking to people, and you know, Rick, uh, that af after every practice, we had conditioning, like 45 mm -hmm. minutes. Like it was, it was like the Russian work hard. We did, but when I came to Canada, that was unbelievable. Like every day, like when coach we around the ice for an hour, co coach blow the whistle. Now we everybody kind of sneak around the ice, and one guy went to the door and wanted to leave. Then coach said, "Hey, hey, hey, where are you going?" Everybody, half of the team on this line, half of the other line, and they skate. They skate like for forty-five minutes. Like the ice, uh, the snow was on the up to ankles on the ice. Like every day, but like Canadian guys, like I'm, I'm trying to explain to people because everybody thinks Canadians are born with the skates on their yeah. feet, but it's just amount of work. Like at least those times when I was there with Rick. It was just amazing. Like we, and like nobody complained. Like we come in the dressing room, everybody was happy. Everybody was, you know what I mean? Laughing and this, we took shower, you went home, you slept like a baby. And next day we play, we play in Vancouver. We landed in Toronto at six o'clock in the morning. And we lost in Vancouver, we lost so many games, but we lost, then we went straight from the, from the airport to the ring and we skated for an hour without the puck, just up and down yeah. and up down in laps you know what i mean like it's uh, canadian guys like canadians the hockey uh, hockey players what they went through peter let me uh, ask you this um when did when did the thought of playing in the national hockey league get to your mind and what did you know about the league i didn't know much but one uh, my brother dushan he sent i don't know from what uh, how he came to the idea he sent a, he sent a letter to uh, montreal canadians for the some uh, souvenirs and they send us beautiful beautiful cal calendar like a you know what i mean and on each page yep. was was nhl team beautiful picture like everybody like in europe in europe when i was growing up or even when i was playing top league uh nobody had the uh, same helmets one had black one had white one had blue <laughs> what you, what you, whatever you found or what you ever got you you play with and those canadian guys like you they like they were Line beautiful, like everybody there, moving nicely. Like what like just, just for me, like looking like at, at, at angels. And uh, see, then uh, one day I came home from church, and uh, Russia is playing Canada, and you know, seventy-two series. Yeah. And Filmer was idol. That was my idol. Like right away, I I put I take jersey with number seven. You know what I mean? And I, I heard that, you know, he's scoring goals mostly around the crease and that kind of, then I kind of, I kind of uh, 
uh, imitated him and I wanted to play like him. And he was like, the guy like sitting, you know, on the penalty box and going like that, I kill you or something. Like we were, I was mad. It was just amazing. And then Paul Henderson go to, yeah. that, was, that was, you know. And then uh, what happened in, in my life, like I said, uh, when I was playing uh, European Championship, it was in Czechoslovakia. And uh, under 20 tournament, World Championship was in, Slovakia, in Czechoslovakia. And uh, I uh, I got an invitation with national team to join, uh, to go to Lake Placid, like when it was pre-Olympic tournament. Yeah, and uh, I was excited. I, I joined Sparta, I went from Poprad to Sparta, and Sparta is capital city. There is lots of influential people, you know what I mean? Then, because somebody says they helped me to to travel with the team. Then I was in Lake Placid, and before we left there, uh, they said that the, it's B team, and the player who is going to be the best on this team is going to join a, 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 a team uh, to, to play in Olympics. Then I went to Lake Placid, and I was playing well. We played some exhibition games. We played against Olympic uh, Canadian Olympic team. We played in Halifax against uh, Canadians uh, farm team and I was voted best players and this and when you come back then uh, they announced on, on, the, on TV that Peter Inachak was the best player and he's going to join the A team uh, and he's going to play in Olympics. I was so excited and you know what I mean then later we had camp I they gave me track suits, suits, everything for Olympics, you know what I mean, hats. Then uh, we supposed to leave. It was Saturday. We had dinner. I went to my room in, in the hotel. And Sunday we supposed to leave uh, for Lake Placid. And uh, they knocked on my door, said, Peter, we want to talk to you. And just kind of, I just got froze. Because I know what was going to happen. They said to me, Peter, Russia invaded Afghanistan. Political situation is very unstable. We, you're not traveling with us. And I was kind of, I was kind of in shock. That, mu that must have been, that must have been very, very difficult for you to, yeah, kind of comprehend that, Peter, at that time. Yeah, it, it was, but it was, but I love hockey so much that I kind of like, I kind of it bounced off me. And then uh, they finished uh, Olympic, they finished uh, fifth, and it was the biggest disappointment, a big disappointment. Then uh, Ludek Bukac was my coach in Sparta Prague, and uh, next year was Canada Cup. I think it was 70, 81. Then he, mm -hmm. he calls me and said, Peter, you know, you're playing the, like hard nose, you're playing physical game, and you, you, you compete. And, and I said, I want you on the team. I said, you're going to join the team. We have a training camp and we had a training camp all summer. I said, and then we're going to, to Canada and you will be on a team. And suddenly we are at the camp and KGB agent came around the, to the to our meetings or, or came to the training camp and they started investigating because they heard that five guys signed a contract with NHL teams. But they talked to everybody, only they didn't talk to me. Yeah, and uh, then after like they left, then uh, Ludek Bukac calls me. I said, Peter, I'm very disappointed. I said, Why, Mr. Bukac? He goes, Because I thought you will come to me and you will say, Mr. Bukac, I didn't sign anything. I said, I didn't travel anywhere. I'm sitting at home. But your brother came from New York. 
I said, no, but I didn't sign any contract. They, they, they cut me. But on the, on the, you know, on the team, there was a center was, uh, uh, uh Darius Rusnak. He was KGB agent. Dusan Patek, KGB agent. There is two centers. Yeah, and they, they were always there. Well, I was lucky too because you know what I mean. For me, to dreaming to play in Canada, but not telling anybody, because even when I played for Sparta Prague, I always uh, on that team too. There was maybe five, six, you know what I mean, guys that working for KGB for secret police. And now uh, you know how it is. You go out, you know. Sometimes you have a couple beers, you know, and you start talking. And I remember one story when. We were traveling by the bus, and uh, for some reason, I bought an uh, English book. I wanted to learn English. Uh, some, automatically, I opened that book, and lying on my back, you know, I have two seats, and suddenly one guy said, hey, look at that. He's learning English. He's going to escape. I, I, I closed that book. <laughs> I closed that book. I put it, I put it uh, somewhere in the, in, the, in the closet at home. I never took it out. Yeah, and then, then uh, uh, after that uh, training camp, uh, I went. Uh, I went. Uh, I wanted to go to with other Sparta guys, players, go to Germany, because one of them wanted to buy a car. Yeah, and then we said okay, and that was before we made that agreement. Uh, before we went to camp, said if we're not going to make the camp to go to play in Canada Cup, we're going to Germany. Then I I apply. Or if, uh, special permits, like maybe I needed 10 permits, then I apply for that. And then finally, after that, when they kicked it, they cut me. I went to German embassy and I, uh, I got visa. And at that time, you after you receiving the visa, you had to stay 10 days at home, like in Czechoslovakia. After those 10 days, you can leave. Then... Uh, I was at the practice with Sparta and secretary came and said, Peter, uh, there is a couple guys waiting for you because there is some, something wrong with your apartment. You go to, to the office and you talk to them. And I went there, knock on the door. I opened the door and there was five guys in the suits. And he said, hey, Mr. Inacek, you going to Germany? I said, yeah. It's secret police, you going nowhere. He said, give us, give, us, give us your passport. I said, okay. I said, I don't have it here. I said, it's my apartment. Then I went home to my apartment. I couldn't find it. And I, I knew Deborah. Yeah. Uh, we were going out with I was going out with her. I said, oh, I, I know. I think my girlfriend has it. They said, you know what? Until tomorrow, 12 o'clock, you bring the passport to secret. There is a special, special uh, police uh, Police, police, uh, police bureau where they was investigating the political uh, guys like prisoners. You know what I mean? It was very hard. They, then they said, "Until twelve o'clock tomorrow, you bring the passport." They left, and I, I jumped on the on the, uh, on the subway and drove in downtown. I talked to my my girl and I said, "Listen, what should I do?" I said, "Maybe I can grab the passport." And I said, "Jump on the bus or on the train, and I will try to leave." But then I was thinking, said, "Hey." Probably they call the borders. You show up at the borders. They they call uh, take you, put you in. You know what I mean, and you're out. And I just next day I brought the passport back, and they asked me what happened. I said 
Uh, what happened is we we agreed with a couple Sparta guys that we will go to Germany because one of them wanted to buy the car. Then they left me. I said, okay. Then maybe a couple of weeks after that, I received a letter from government that I am enemy of the state and I not uh, for the state is is dangerous that I am I, I when I owned the traveling documents. Yeah. Then I went. I went to Prague. I was in Prague. I went to downtown and talked to people. I said, "What does it, what does it mean with somebody when they take my passport? When do I get back?" He said, "I know somebody twenty years. I know somebody thirty years. I know somebody that never got." And I was kind of, I was, I was shocked. I said, "What what, what am I going to do?" Because I wanted to play hockey and I wanted to travel with the team, and I didn't even think about escaping. Yeah, but then. Then I, the, I I went back a couple of times, talked to those KGB agent, uh, work out, play some games, went back to them. They told me, I said, listen, you come in a couple of months and we give you that passport back. I said, wow. Yeah, then a couple of months later, I went there and Miroslav Richard escaped. Yeah, and I said, hey, I want my passport back. They said, Peter, no. Because this guy escaped, we would give you passport back. You escape, we would be looking like an idiot. I said, no, we will not give you that. Then time flew. A couple of months again, I went back to them. I said, and I, they asked me always that question, that situation, and you know, and I explained them exactly what happened, and I didn't lie. I told them the truth, and they said, okay, we will give you that passport, but the guy, Sparta. They don't want you to have the passport. I said, no. Say, yeah. They said, no. I said, okay, we call Sparta and we we call them and ask if we can give you passport back. And you when 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 the, the, the phone is ringing, you pick up the other phone. And then they call Sparta. They said, Oh, Mr. Mr. Inacharo Peter was here, he wants his passport back. And they, the guy said, No, don't give it to him. Because at that time I was the best player on the Sparta team. They needed me, and they were afraid that I leave. The guy said, "No, I don't give it to. Him. I don't give it to him." Then they hang up, hang up, and they say, "Okay." Then I went. I I know who the who that guy was. Then I went. I just went to jump on the street car. Or, you know, I went to that guy. I said, "Listen, you told them that not they shouldn't give me passport back." I said, "Listen, if I wouldn't be playing hockey." I would be traveling, but because I play hockey for Sparta, then I'm not traveling. I said, I quit playing hockey. See, then uh, uh, I packed my stuff and I went to Poprat to my mother's house. And I was there maybe seven days. And after seven days, the Sparta started calling. I said to the very speeder, my, I said, mom, don't tell them. Mom said, no, he's not here. They call again, they call again. Then two weeks after I received a letter and uh, in this letter is that my responsibility is practicing and if i don't practice i have to work and in those communist time it was rule that uh, was a law that if you didn't work then you you will go to prison hmm. and they sent me send me send me send me like letter from the court that i i supposed to show up uh uh, in the court or, or something, and they will send me to prison. Then I went back, you know, then 
I start playing and we start winning. I score some goals and you know then everything went well. You know, they, but before that, the coach called five guys and said, "Okay, guys." And coach was a KGB agent too. He goes five guys. He goes, uh, "Okay, let's vote. Who wants that Peter stay, and let's uh, and who wants that Peter leaves?" Then three guys voted that I stay. They were my linemen, and two said no. But okay, then I stay. And it, it came. It was. Uh, it was in December. It was his uh, Vestia tournament in Russia. I went with national team, and I played very well. And my line was playing well, very well. I scored some goals. You know, we had success. Then we came back from that uh, in in January, February. The national team went to Finland, and uh, they didn't take me. They took that Rusna guy, that KGB agent, and they play off. And when they come back, then the coach said to me, listen, World Championship is in Finland, you're going with us. And I said, wow. Meanwhile, I got my passport from KGB. But in those times, you, you had in, in Czechoslovakia, when you went on your personal holidays, you have your personal passport. But when you travel with the club or with the company, you had company passport. See, then... Uh, I went to KGB agent. I said, hey, give me my passport back. They said, we talk with Sparta. Sparta was happy the way you the, you play when you came back. And, you know, there is no problems. Here is your passport. And that was, when I got my passport, that was first time that I was, I was thinking about escaping. Yeah. Then I went, I had some money, check money. Then I went to downtown Prague, to hotels, uh, taxi drivers, because they mostly, they deal with the foreigners. And they have a foreign money like German marks or Canadian dollars, US dollars. Then I say, okay, guys, let's let's exchange. And I put probably three thousand dollars together. And uh, it was uh, was uh, was scanned. Then uh, then we traveled to we traveled to to uh, Finland. When we landed, I, I put my passport, my personal passport. I put my money in, in the pocket, and I travel. I I. I I was like stupid because I put a little bit more, uh, like an extra bigger luggage. Yeah, if they look something. But okay, we, we landed when we landed in Finland in Helsinki. First thing that one of the KGB said, "Okay, guys, let's uh, give me uh, your passport because I have to do it uh, accreditation." You see, when you give him the passport, mm -hmm. you didn't see your passport back until you are uh, loading the plane on your way back. But I had my passport, and when we were traveling from the airport to hotel, one of the players, like I didn't have too much experience, one of the players said, hey guys, be careful what you leave behind in your room, because when we go to practice or we go to play the games, the KGB agent gets the key, they go to your rooms, and they they look what you have. What kind of, you know, what I, I said, holy smoke. That what, what that was best advice or best you know what I hear. Then every time I left my room, I put the three thousand dollars in my pocket. I put my passport in the pocket. We went practice. I stick it in my pants, hockey pants. I practice with that and I play the games. And then one night, one night, it was good that I didn't get a good body check because the money would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> And then one night, one night at the hotel, I, I called my brother 
And I, I learned a couple of words. I, I call collect. He pick up one, a phone in New York. I say, I said, John, listen, I'm fed up. I don't want to go back. Then he goes, sit tight. I will come and get you. And when he was loading, uh, or I would say, uh, checking on, uh, on the plane, then he met Mike Nikolak and Jerry McNamara. Okay. Fly, fly, flying from New York to, uh, to Helsinki. And my brother know them from uh, like watching games on television. Then he start talking to them and he goes, what are you doing? And I said, oh, we're going to, to Helsinki because we have a, a free chair guy and he needs some European center. And he goes, hey, my brother is center. He, he wants to escape. So they said, okay, we will watch him and uh, we see, you know, what kind of player he is. And then we, we can talk. They were watching one game against Sweden. I was playing well. Then my, they talked to my brother and they said they offered me contract. And uh, that was first time they told me, I said, be quiet, that when you, when you escape, then be quiet because we were in Canada. Uh, the first, that was first year when European players had to go to the draft. Before players like Peter Stastny, they were free agents. Any team they signed and they were there. Yeah, then uh, we, we played against Sweden and next day we practice. And like after the game against Sweden, uh, John called me and said, Peter, tomorrow at five o'clock, I'm waiting behind a hotel uh, in, the, in, the, in the taxi. Don't take anything, just brush. A toothbrush and this i will just be jump and we go but it was it was uh, it was really not not uh, uh realistic because i had passport but leaving finland has uh, has a uh, law when somebody apply for for landed immigrant or or uh, or political like you know what i mean they would return yeah. back to the country see then uh five o'clock i jump in the taxi, I had no idea. I said, my, I had my passport, I had some money, but normally it was not realistic. Then we drove to the to the harbor and we stopped by the big boat that is, uh, is going every every weekend or something from Stockholm to, to Helsinki and back to Stockholm. You party boats, drinking, discotheque, dancing. Then we, we, we jumped out of taxi and there was uh, two guys in uniform stopping people and checking something. And my brother said, you know what? No luck, probably. We will have to go back to hotel. Then we, we go to approach those two guys. He goes, tickets. The brother pulled tickets. Okay, next. And we were on the boat. Oh. Yeah. So, Peter, let me ask you this before you go any further on that. Wow. Um, you know, there's all kinds of horses. I mean, that's a that's an unbelievable story um, about Russian players defecting, families being threatened, players being extorted for money. Uh, things unmanageable in today's uh, world, but very real at the time. Now, Vaslav Nedimansky was the first Czech player to defect from behind the Iron Curtain in 1974, and he went to play for the Toronto Toros. And that's another story all itself. That was eight years before you, but had you been monitoring what he went through and how he survived in Canada and what happened in the aftermath of what he did? Yes, yes. Like uh, when he left, then... Uh... I was uh, just a kid and uh, we thought Czechoslovakian hockey is no more. Like he was the guy, he was the, he was the best player. He was, you know what I mean? Uh, and when he left, then he said, there is nobody who can, who can replace him. Nobody who can 
like they, we have no team, we, we have no chance to play against Sweden, Russians, Finland, or something like that. But yeah, we follow that. It was it was not easy to follow because there was any any like like now you you can watch NHL on TV or you yeah. can you, know, you have internet, you follow the scores, you follow the stats, and but that time no, it, only there was a radio uh, free Europe or uh, Voice of America where maybe maybe once or twice a week you know and it was coming is that you you can hear something then disappear it's almost like us you can, <laughs> you can hear something it disappear but it be follow yeah be follow it was it was yeah. exciting exciting you know what i mean to, to know that he's playing and he's doing well and uh he motivated us like i had i had a podcast with boris salming and uh i think it was inge hammerstrand and they were talking uh, about those times when they came to Canada, and it was it was kind of you know, it, same thing what I went through because when I came to Canada, I didn't do anything else than working out, and Nucho told you that I went I went yeah. every day I went every day, uh, first year I wasn't even earlier, but then when I was in Toronto, uh, every day I, I went nine o'clock and I work out until maybe eleven thirty come home, eat something, sleep until two o'clock. And I went to High Park and I was running in High Park, uh, you know, from four until six. Like that was every day. I didn't do anything else. I had, that was only my, that was on uh, focus. Like Rick, Rick is Canadian and they have a different, you know what I mean? They, they, they finished season, they had summer, they play golf, they fun, you know, on the balls or whatever. But for me, that was because it, for me, it was surviving. Yeah, it's, it's not like, when I would I would not make the team, or my contract, that first contract that I signed in Finland would expire. Then you know when I am not good enough, then you know I, I was scared of that. That's why I just like every day I finish maybe beginning beginning of September, you know, and then 15 of September was was camp, and we we uh, the camp was until October, and then was uh, yeah the, the league started. I remember one time. I think it was 1985, I believe it was, or maybe 86, when we went to the World Championships in uh, Prague. And I remember <laughs> talking to you before we went over there, and you said, here, here's a number of a guy, and he has a restaurant and a bar. He said, go there. This guy will look after you. And, and sure enough, the guys would get together, and we'd go to this place, and Peter's buddy looked after us very, very well. But I remember walking around the streets and seeing the army guys on the corners with guns and everything and thinking, holy cow, like, what the hell is going on here? Like, this is this is weird. But unfortunately, I guess that's just the way it was back then, right? Yeah, it was like that. I That, that Peter guy is always uh, talking about you about uh john anderson and build uh, the lego and yeah. you know still have, he still have your sneak or whatever maybe sneakers or whatever you gave it to him and uh, every time we go somewhere he have a couple of beers oh, I revive and uh, john anderson and build a lego and he's talking <laughs> his, uh, yeah it was scary because uh, i think alan eagleson was uh <clears throat> he was was there and he wanted to be around the bench or something like that there, there was always 10 policemen or something around him and and you know what i you kind of it was scary scary for Canadian, mm -hmm. uh western western guys american guys it was uh, just different like you 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 
must uh, watch your steps because when you overstep the line, then you it can happen something that uh, you know they put you in jail or they put you somewhere or do something to you. It was just uh, it was uh, like whole country was uh, full of uh, secret police and and it was it was hard. That was a good reason why you helped us out so much because we didn't have to go anywhere else. We just went to his bar and we didn't have to worry about anything. He gave us a very good tip. And I always remembered that. Yeah. Well, I was just there two years ago playing hockey against some club teams, just traveling around with some old timers. And it's not like that anymore. It's like going anywhere, a beautiful city, great hospitality. Went to a couple of pro games. They were awesome to go and watch the crowds and the games. It was just a wonderful experience going through at the time called Czech Republic. But um, speaking of which, now, Peter, you, when you arrived here, what we talk about your first camp with the Leafs when you got on the ice with these guys like Delego and Vive and so on. What was that like and how was your experience? It, my experience, it was uh, we had the camp in uh, North York. Uh, yeah. And uh, first thing, it was, you know what I mean? Like for me, it was shock uh, when I saw probably 60 guys at camp. That was it was the neighborhood camp, but it was, and you look around, and everybody was like a bodybuilder. So everybody looked like Gary Nyland, like unbelievable. Like, but then I said, "Hey, what am I doing here?" And I, I put my I put my skates on, first shift, first first we had first session, but probably nine o'clock until or eight o'clock until ten, and the second session is uh, from from ten to twelve. First, the face-offs, I receive the puck, I go around the boards, and some guy hits me, and I sprain my ankle. First shift. The probably, I don't know what, 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 what Jerry Magnamara was thinking. I was out. I was out. I was out for a whole, whole training camp. Before the, before maybe a week before the, before the league started, I started skating and I was nervous. I, you know what I mean? And now I'm watching, I, I went to Maple Leaf Garden, it's exhibition game and it's sold out. Like every, every exhibition game was sold out. Just, the guys are flying. Like there is, there is not one bad hockey player. I said, what are you doing? I said, what are you going to do here? Yeah, but then, uh, you know, we, like I was, it was good because it was kind of, it, it, they helped me because I didn't have that camp, but then they put me in the lineup. Like I didn't have to, because there was like so many good guys that were cut, you know, when I first week and then second week. And you said, where is that guy? No, he's, he's, he's going down to, to New to St. Catherine or it was, I don't know, where was it? I think St. Catherine just was just like, if you look everywhere, he's a good hockey player, like big physical, you know what I mean? Good hands, good shot. It's almost everybody like Rick. Only Billy Dalego was different. He was, he was, <laughs> He was the nifty guy. Yeah, that, yeah. That, you know what I mean. Like that was that was hard time because I was at the hotel. Or we, everybody was at uh, Westbury Hotel. You know what I mm -hmm. mean. And coming, watching the uh, practices, and you want to skate. And I put my skates on. I went on the ice. I, I catch ice a little bit. Pain in the ankle. Put skates off. Off the ice. You know, another two weeks. Another. You know what I mean. It was hard. But then. Uh, we play the season, we started in Chicago, and I think we tied the game. and I had uh, maybe one assist or two assists. Then we went to St. Louis, I had a couple assists there. You know what I mean? I said, Hey, 
I can play here. But I was in excellent shape. Like I was, I, when I came to uh, when I came to uh, US, because when I when I uh, uh, left Helsinki and I landed landed in or landed or with the boat uh, in Stockholm, then my brother went to uh, Canadian embassy and uh, tell them the case that I signed a contract with Maple Leafs and uh, that I would like to uh, go, like uh, go to Canada. He said, "Yeah." That's perfect. He got all the documents, but it takes seven months until we Ooh. give him an immigrant uh, and let him go to Canada. That, my, Fred, what was your first impression when you saw Peter? Like, you, you know, you, these guys are coming in. Some Europeans were starting to filter through the league. When did he, you take notice of Peter as a real player? Well, I think oh, pretty quickly, uh, obviously. I mean, it was... Uh, I, I tell the story, and it, it's actually quite funny. It's uh, we had a pretty good team. I mean, and we uh, Miroslav Fritzer was there, Peter was there, Duras, and I can't remember who else. But halfway through, I can't remember what season it was, but we weren't having a very good season. And it was halfway through the season, and Harold Ballard, because a flight attendant wouldn't give him chocolate bars on the plane. He canceled the charters for the rest of the season. So what happened was we started staying overnight. So we didn't know each other very well because, you know, after practice, everybody went their separate way. But now we started staying overnight a lot. And so we'd go out together. We'd start talking to one another. And I think I think that really helped us. Like we got to know them. They got to know us. Uh, we got to trust one another a lot more. And I think we were the fourth or fifth best team in the league in the second half of the season because there was that trust. And, you know, so then all of a sudden we just got along, you know, very, very well. And I, I wouldn't say we didn't get along before. It's just that we didn't have time to spend together that much. Yeah, plus uh, plus my language barrier. I didn't speak English at all. Yeah. Well, it's very hard. I mean... Uh... What was your first impression of Canada when you arrived? What was the thing that struck to you the most? And let, let me give you a little bit of a, uh, a pre preface for that. When one of the Russian hockey players, and I keep coming back to Russian guys because this is the story that came out, but Vladimir Krutov, when he played in Vancouver, one of the wives took his wife out grocery shopping and show her around town and where to go. And I think you may know this story, but as it turns out, when she returned to find her in the store, she had a shopping cart filled, like over the top, filled with hamburger, chicken, <laughs> roast, steaks. And she was looking for another cart. And the girl said, what are you doing? You, what are you, 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 you can feed 10 people for six months with that. And she said, where we come from, when you get a chance to buy meat, you buy because it doesn't show up. Did you have any sort of experience like that when you arrived in Canada that just shocked you the new country you're in? Yeah, I think I was I was surprised, you know what I, you know what I mean. Just like that Russian girl, it was uh, here in uh, Czechoslovakia. Whenever you went to store, uh, you came there. There were empty uh, empty meat hooks, or uh, there was the bananas or something like that. And only only when you have connections, you know what I mean. Then you got something. Yeah. Then I was I was surprised how how well you know people uh, are having in Canada. You know what I mean. They don't have to worry about about. Uh, groceries or about food or about meat you know what i mean it just it just and 
for me, Canadian people are the best people in the world. Like, I mean, they're all friendly, they're all nice, polite and helpful. And it just, uh, it, 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 it's just, it's special. Canada is a special country. Well, the prices are going way up now, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Everything yeah. is going up. Gosh, food. Everything is now, going let me, up in crazy prices. Under, I, now, uh, on that on that topic, just going back to the game, your expectations of playing in National Hockey League, after going through the league the first time, was the level of play as you expected it beyond what you thought or less? Uh, beyond. It was it was it was it was excellent league. I mean players uh like I said they that's like you know Canadians are they all skate, they were big, they were physical. I mean uh they all work hard. Uh and everybody's out uh, afraid too. Like that time when I was, uh, you know, with the Leafs, and every, everybody afraid because because it's so many players waiting for your uh, for your spot, you know. But uh, yeah, the, the hockey, hockey, the, yeah, it was more than I expected, or it was better than I expected. It was good hockey, good hockey, good teams. You know, it just uh, it was exciting to be there. Now. What about the coaches you played for? Let's talk about as like John Brophy as an example. What was what was your impression of him? Now, by just so you know, Peter, we're not ambushing you here. Every player that's come on has a John Brophy story. So it's it's not something we haven't heard before. But your experience facing a coach like that from where you came from. It was it was uh, you know what I mean. I love uh, John's excitement about the game, and uh, I like his uh, passion. Uh, I like his. Uh, passion for winning uh, he was he was uh, he could be mean uh, when we didn't play well but when we played well and we won some games he goes uh, i remember we won the playoffs game in st louis and he he went to back to hotel he goes guys come i buy you a drink like he was he was nicest man and the most passionate man that i i i i know in in hockey just uh, he was hard uh, you know he he is his way like I, I, uh, I hurt my knee, and he came to me, Peter. I was in Colorado. I don't know you say like East Coast League or whatever. He was coaching there. I said oh, I was, I was around the football players. There is no such a thing like, like bad knee. I'm going to fix it for you. And <laughs> like we had practice after practice, everybody left, and I was leaving. Said hey, 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 where are you going? Come here. And he put me beside the bench. He goes jump over. Yeah, jump over the bench, play over the boards, jump back. Then I was going for like 20 minutes. I, then I, I just put my leg over the boards. I fall in the bench. I get up kind of, you know what I mean? Crawl out, put my leg over the board, fall on the ice. Then he goes, okay, now we're going to goal line. Then he goes, go, go, go down and back. Then I, 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 try, I try as hard as possible. Then back, <laughs> go again. Then I try go again. It, it didn't stop. Like I was, I, I couldn't even, I, I couldn't even crawl to the other side. <laughs> I was, I was done. Then he goes, he goes. Now we go to escalators. That was in Maple Garden with escalators. Yeah. Now you run, run against. Then I was running against. Then, then he, then he, he, he took me to the gym, and he puts tension. Like I couldn't do it barely once. He do it, do it hundred times, and I went like like the knee extension. And he goes hundred times. But the best story was, 
I was after practice, I went to weight room. We had to just cross a, cross a, like a, street, a corridor, the weight room. And yeah. I kind of, kind of ride, ride a bike. And then uh, I went to punching bag and I kind of, you know, beside the punching bag, I punch and he, John, John walks in. Hey, Peter, come here. I, I teach you how to fight. And he comes to me and says, hit me. <laughs> and I went like, oh, that's not hit me. Harder than I little harder. No, that's not like, hit me harder. <laughs> then, I, then you know, no, 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 like, hit me hard. <laughs> then I just won, boom, and he just was kind of, you know what I mean. It was yeah, I, I love the guy. I love the guy. It was uh, excitement, lots of excitement with him. Oh, there was there was a lot of excitement, all right. And I had him in Birmingham in the WHA as well. And I remember one real funny story though. Uh, Billy Derlego was coming back from an injury and he made him run up and down the escalator and everything as well. And one day he told him to go in and he said, ride the, go in and ride the bike. So Billy goes in and he's just pedaling like on the bike and he's, he's got a coffee in one hand and a cigarette in the other. And Brof walks in and Brof says, well, if you're not going to try, you may as well go home. And Billy got up off the bike and said, okay, see you tomorrow. And walked up. <laughs> and I thought, only Billy could get away with that. <laughs> and then, then we had warm-up in the morning, pre-game skate. And normally the, the, the team uh, came, opposition team came and sit in the stands. And first, John's, uh, John's idea said, hey, guys, let's shoot pucks at them. <laughs> now, Peter, I'm going to ask you... Hold on. Well, one other funny story. When I was oh. coaching in Charleston, South Carolina, we played Norfolk where he coached in the ECHL. Oh. And we played them in their building. We beat them. And we were leaving. And as we were walking out, the fans were all gone by then. Their players come back out on the ice and Brophy makes them skate for about an hour and a half after the game, after we beat them. Um, I was going to ask you, well, that'd be broke, but I was going to ask you, you know, Peter, you know, when you did, like, once you got yourself established and started playing, did you feel any um, pressure to perform as a player? Not only just for yourself, but I mean, let's face it, the hockey world will be watched once again with this influx of, uh, you know, European players coming in. So you'd be closely watched. Maybe you weren't realizing you're being closely watched. But players at home would be watching how you did, just like you looked at Vaslov Nedimansky or anybody before you, or the Stasnys or whoever it was. Um, did you feel that kind of pressure? Or did you? Did any of this resonate with you? No, not at all. I mean, at the, in Canada, when you have a sold-out building and uh, uh, you don't have to, you don't need anybody to push you. Or you don't need anybody, and you know that you don't play well, then you you come uh, next day, next uh, or next game to the dressing room. There is your your jersey is not hanging there. Then it's kind of kind of embarrassing, and you want to do you you want to do your best every game. I and doesn't matter what score it is. Uh, I mean. Uh, it's it was kind of uh, it was kind of uh, that you we all worry about uh, not Rick but to be like normal players we all worry about competition like you know this guy is going to be called even uh, from a new uh, new market or Saint Catherine and he's going to playing the game and he's going to play better than you and suddenly you have no job I mean we we play with injuries because of that we play with concussions we play with uh, 
you know what I mean? Then you you say, no, I'm playing. I'm playing. I want to play. I want to do my best. It's just yep. not, uh, it it's was, it, 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 it's a job and we love the job and we love to compete and we love to play, you know, and play, uh, play as best. So like, it's exciting, exciting. But like you put, you put it from the beginning of the, of the, of the show here that, you know, announcement in, in, uh, the Maple Leaf Garden, you know, when you scored the goal or you, you had a series, it just sounded through that Maple Leaf Garden. It's just a fantastic feeling. I mean, it's, uh, I don't. I don't know. Many Canadians they would they wouldn't compete or they wouldn't play uh, uh, up to their potential or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It was uh, it was a lot different game back then, though. Where you know the guys were always most guys were on two way contracts, and there was always someone, as you mentioned, Peter, looking for your job. And you know there was. I mean, I remember one year, I think we had 49 players played for us with the Maple Leafs that year. And, you know, they called guys up, sent guys down. Now it's a little bit different. Like back then they would call up just the best player, no matter what forward got hurt, they'd call up the best forward from the American League. And now if it's a top six forward, they call up a top six forward. If it's a bottom six forward, they call that guy up because – he's better suited to play that role. And so that's why I, that's how I see the game has changed a lot more over the years uh, when opposed to when we were playing. Yeah, the, my Swedish, uh, Swedish uh, body, Tommy Bergman, he had it's true. He said, when you, when you're playing on the first two lines, then you have lots of friends. And when yeah. you slide third fourth, it's a competition, unbelievable. Like when they call the guy from the from the Saint Catherine, and he comes to to dressing room and he plays the game, he wants to have your job. But when yeah. you are first in line, then you everybody, hey, you know, the excellent job, everything is okay. <laughs> when you come to third court, it's a dangerous territory. Actually, that's a good way to put it, right? Yeah. Well. While we're talking about polarizing figures and John Brophy, let's go to the ultimate polarizing figure of all time in Maple Leaf history, Harold Ballard. When did you first learn of the team owner and meet him as a person, or did you have and did you have any interactions with him? Yeah, it was I, I had, and uh, beside what I read in the newspaper, and when he was or even he he makes statement that he no communist person will be playing in his building when Russian team came uh, to Canada yeah. and those people. But when you when you met him, he was the nicest man. He was he was Peter. Whenever you need something, just come and I will always help you. I I think Miroslav Fritsch got in trouble. Uh, some kind of trouble, then they they give him even maybe a uh, lawyer to you know uh, deal with his problems. And uh, like he was the nicest man. Like I cannot, you know what I mean. Like I think I don't know if I'm having the story right, but I think when Ricky uh, scored so many goals and he wanted to negotiate the contract and he wanted more money, they kind of said uh, around the league. They like ruin his name. They said, "Don't play that guy because he's money hungry. He owns only money, something like that." They stop you. You know what I mean, too. But I have only good experience with Harold. Well, Harold was not a bad person, as I always say. He treated us pretty good. Yes, he was just cheap. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't. I, I would say that probably 
90% of our team were paid less than what they should have been compared to players in, in other teams. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and you were, the, you were the best players and you deserve, uh, I, I think I, I don't know how much you were making, but at least double what you were making. And, and it was hard and you know that it was hard because, because if you didn't accept their contract, they, 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 those owners that are connected and they yeah. said, Oh, what with wife? No, oh, he wants more money. Then, then suddenly you had no choice. Uh, just signed with Maple Leafs. Yeah, well, free agency was 32 years old, so you <laughs> didn't have much of a choice. And uh, I remember uh, Paul Coffey, I think the only way to make money if you wanted more money was to hold out. And that's what he did in Edmonton. He wanted more money. They wouldn't give him what he wanted. So he held out. He didn't go to camp. They traded him to Pittsburgh. He got his contract. He got what he wanted. So that was the only way you were going to get what you wanted it's in the nhl back then yeah i agree now peter the difference between say harold ballard as an owner you played for in toronto and some of the owners you played with it at home in sparta as an example was there was the yeah i know you're smiling but were the owners hands as hands-on at home as they were here in canada hands-on well a little bit involved every day like wanting to be in the press and be front and center and no, I, part of the team that, was, that, was, uh, that was an interesting story because I I never been in Canada. I, I was drafted by Maple Leafs and when I flew first time from New York, you know, to to Canada and to Toronto to camp, then, you know, I, I step out of the plane and everybody, hey, Peter, everybody knows me in Czech, Czechoslovakia, <laughs> you were a hockey player and nobody, nobody like knew you. Like when you play for 10, you know what I mean then? Like we, what what happened? Like it was funny because not funny. I don't know it was funny, but we all of that argument. Canadians are pros. We were not, yeah, because we. Uh, I had a job. Yeah, I I was working in the factory, but it was a job on the paper, and I was getting money from there. And uh, when we play hockey, then we play hockey. When you win the game, you get the money. When you tie the game, you have half of the half of the money, you know. And when you lose, you didn't get any. <laughs> when you end up, when you end up, yeah, we, we didn't have a contract. We had, we had, for example, we lose uh, in a month. We play maybe five games, four games, and you lose four. You didn't have any money. Only when you win. Like hey, good was, thing Harold didn't know that. He, that's how he would have been paying you guys. <laughs> Yeah, he probably he probably would have figured that out and, and done that. Yeah, but we didn't have a contract. We didn't have a like you know we had it was said it was said that uh, that uh, for winning the game we had four hundred crowns. That's probably fifteen fifteen dollars. When you when you lose, you didn't have any money. Jeez! <laughs> wow! Wow! Yeah, I didn't. Uh... That's pretty harsh. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, yeah. We got we got salary from the factory. It was it was kind of better than average people. We, we probably got uh, now it's like we got then uh, three thousand bucks, uh, which is maybe two hundred fifty dollars. And but it was like uh, you could have buy proper for a hundred thousand. You could have buy house or something like that. Well, Peter, we we uh, we 
we had some technical difficulties at the beginning of this call, so we want to thank you for giving us all this time today. It's been fantastic speaking to you and catching up. Um, just a couple more seconds, I'd, I'd be remiss if we didn't make a comment about two things here. First, I want your impression of the biggest change you've seen in hockey from the Czech perspective to where it is today. And I sort of referenced the World Juniors that just passed with that Czech team that you know, came in and startled everybody and just played tremendous. But I didn't learn until the last game. There was, I think, 12 or 13 kids on that team that were playing in the CHL. So they're so almost North Americanized now. There's no difference. They were as physical, tough, skated hard, shot, identical to the U.S. and, and Canadian team. So there really wasn't any difference. And they played tremendous. But I'm wondering your thoughts on that, but also the difference you've seen from when you were playing to what you look at today. Yeah, like that's exactly exactly what we were talking from the beginning. Like we were when I was a kid, and then you know when I was maybe eighteen, nineteen, twenty, uh, and before I escaped, you were you were uh, twenty four hours available. Okay, we had uh, we, and that's the difference because uh, because Czech and Czech and uh, Slovakian hockey is not as good as it was before, because uh, uh, like I said, we practiced uh, hardest. The Russian hardest, we were second hardest, and we, it was everything, everything was organized. We, we had summer training when uh, after the season, we had two weeks off. After two weeks, we start uh, summer training and we went uh, twice a day, whole summer. Then in, uh, in, in July, we had uh, two weeks holiday, and in first of August, we starting conditioning. And we went, we went, and uh, we went uh, until end of the season. It was organized. It was hard. It was uh, uh, it was effective too. And now suddenly that freedom is, uh, you know what I mean. And families mm -hmm. are rich, and they want to spend, you know, time around the ring. They want to go for summer holidays. They want to go for skiing holidays. Plus, people that have money, they try to influence the coach. Like I cannot, like I'm. Uh, realistic when I see my son or say that he's he's not good and I'm not going to try to you know influence the guy or the coach to put him on first line or if he's not putting on first line then I will I will not sponsor the team you know that's the difference because because Czech hockey and Slovak hockey went really down like last 15 years it's very hard you know what I mean to find uh, players that would be drafted first uh, first second round yeah now lately Slovakia last year was excellent year Slavkovsky, Meshar, Nemec, they were all drafted in the first round. They were a couple guys in later rounds, you know, in, in Czech. But it's not it's not as, as uh, steady producing uh, good hockey players like before. And it's something happened. I don't know, maybe. But my opinion, hockey is hard work. Hockey is kind of no, no uh, holiday or not, uh, you know, summer camp or something like that. The hockey and Rick knows that, you know what I mean? Uh, you have to you have to work hard and now i was when i was in canada living in canada before i left uh, scouting for washington you know even canadian guys now they all spend summer you know what i mean working out every day they have a special coaches athletic coaches condition coaches and it's just just different and that's mm -hmm. what is missing here russian when i go to russia and russians they work hard same thing like before you know coach is uh, is the god what coach said, then you have to you have to do it. You know what I mean. When he goes, that was a 
That was a pretty darn good Czech junior team, though, Peter. Yes, yes, yeah. But you know what I mean, son. Is you know what I mean for me. Like what when I'm I'm thinking like it's you have a guy who has problems here competing, skating, and he comes to Canada. They fix that. Like it's yeah. it's different because when you when you watch when you go to junior junior a junior game, like I'm going to watch a junior game tomorrow. There there will be probably ten people, and in Canada you 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 go to junior game, and it's ten thousand. In London it's ten thousand. Yeah. Like there is, you know what I mean? And, and there is like competition. Like you have to beg the guy in, in Czechoslovakia, Czechoslovak, beg him to, you know, move his butt. But in Canada, you come to dressing room, you see your, your jersey not there. And then you start thinking something is wrong. What's wrong? I have to do, I have to do, you know. But it was a good team. It was surprisingly good team. I think guys played excited, uh, exciting hockey. And yeah, like you said, it was fun to watch them, and uh, and suddenly uh, now in Czech Republic, suddenly more people, more fans coming, coming to uh, see the games in the in the rinks because it was uh, they uh, they wanted to. I think uh, now it was first time after so many years that the Czech team national team won the medal in uh, World Championship. Yep. It was like so many ten years or I don't know how many years they they went without. It's kind of discouraging. But now this this team, this junior team, bring uh, broad excitement back in uh, Czech and Slovakian hockey. Well, I think you have to also take into account that since 1972 with the Summit Series, everybody's learned from everybody. Everybody's ingrained their own games, including training, because the Canadians never trained like the Europeans did. And you look at the kids now, well, you know, the kids you're going to watch them, they're training 12 months of the year seven days a week, basically. If they're not on the ice, they're doing what you did. Maybe not as intense and as hard as you did. So they've caught up to the way the Europeans train, realizing you cannot take the summer off and just start skating in September again. They're going all year round yeah. and training yeah. just as hard. So there has been a little bit of catch up on both sides. And the physicality and the way the North American game has put itself into the European game, I think is evident the way to see, especially the way you saw those Czech kids play in the junior. And they were very impressive. Yeah, they're very impressive. Yeah, yeah. And now, now the like before, you had you had a Czech school or a Czechoslovakian school. You had Swedish school of hockey, like the way they play. Now it's kind of because of video. They all study games. They all study NHL games. They all study, you know, they they and they kind of it's it's it looks to me that uh, every country is playing same kind of style of hockey. You know what I mean? They're now this 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 time. Is hard for checking. You know what I mean. Where five, five yeah. uh, uh, people of the unit is, uh, you know, pressing and is, you know, uh, attacking you when you receive in the puck. Uh, it's uh, before every every country had uh, their own style, but not anymore. It looks like the hockey is the same everywhere. Rick, final thought before we let Peter go. Um. Yeah, well, I have a final thought. Uh, well, I thought it. Peter was one of the, the better players that came over. And uh, I, I enjoyed playing on the same team as Peter. We had a lot of fun. Uh, we enjoyed it. Uh, you know, we, we I think once Harold canceled those charters and we got to know each other better, everything was, was uphill from there on. It was unbelievable. Like, we had a lot of fun. We enjoyed ourselves, but we worked our asses off. Yeah, it is Peter, true. final yeah. thought, Pete. It was, it was. Um, 
I, I started my my first uh, line was Fritscher, Walt Padamni. But then, uh, you know, after that, I played with Rick and Steve Thomas, and it was fun to play with uh, with those guys because as a center, you you like to pass the puck. You know, when you pass the, the puck, the, the Rick, you know, you have assist. Or Steve Thomas, you know, the puck is going to be, end up in the net. You know what I mean? And it, it was it was fun. And Rick and all those guys, like build the build our Lego when... Uh, when I came, like when we started, the first when I started talk to Rick, and always Rick said yes, no, <laughs> because I didn't know what he said. Yes, no. <laughs> yeah, but then when we when we know they were all helpful, you know, Boris Sounding was kind of uh, there too, you know what I mean, helping us. He was European, but you know he yeah. spoke English, and he was he was uh, you know kind of guy between us, you know what I mean, help us. When when I when I done done something in, in appropriate, then Boris said, "Hey, don't do that, or it is done appropriate. You know, we shouldn't." Do that. And he, he was helping us, and and we kind of you know we went out, we had a couple of drinks, and we talked and made fun, and it, it, that what put put us together. And when we play well, that's you know what I mean. That then you have the most fun. Well, thank you so much, Peter, for joining us today. That's wonderful. Best of luck going forward with your, your health issues that you have you're dealing with. We wish you nothing but the best, obviously. And hopefully we'll see you over here soon, and uh, we can buy you a drink one day. Thank you very much, Mike. Looking forward to it. Okay. Peter, thank, thank you very you much, pal. Good luck Thanks. with everything. Thanks, Peter. Thanks.